And for your Monday, there's just a few things going on in the life of the Trojans. Welcome in. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a USA, for a USA, USA touchdown. With Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. Blair Angulo. What's his name? Blair Angulo with the recruiting information you crave. The J is for what, Adam? I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You say classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. I know. Ron. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? That's really a good one. Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. The kids are back. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. And as the man says, it is the Trojansports.com podcast. Trojan Sports Talk for your Monday, last day of November. Hope you all had a wonderful and beautiful Thanksgiving weekend. Crispy Swanson, the publisher of Trojan Sports, is on his way back from the Col- not from the Coliseum, but from campus, Adam J. Maya, where you guys were there for the huge news day. So Swanee will join us in just a moment. Adam, hopefully you got some turkey over the weekend. I am one big giant turkey, as you often call me. How are you? Whoa, whoa, hey, not, not on air. Not on air, no. <laughs> Only privately in our, our private conversations. A big day. Here we thought this morning, early this morning, when I woke up to see a text message from you late last night, little did we know that beating the Bruins on Saturday wouldn't be our only topic. In fact, that would get blown off the map because the Trojans decide to announce Clay Helton gets the nod as the new head coach of the Trojans. Adam, I open it up to you because it's just you and I talking to each other right now. Initial thoughts. What are you thinking? Well, it's been about seven hours since that news broke, and I'm still in a bit of shock. I cannot believe that they did this right now um and i know that's gonna sound bad and we've been open and vocal about our skepticism over clay helton being a permanent head coach of usc and now it just seems like usc overreacted to beating ucla that was a huge win we were there and I thought he did a great job. I thought the, the game plan was excellent. I thought they basically pitched a shutout, if you will, right. you know, to borrow a baseball term. Yes. As a staff, um, you know, as players, I thought they did a wonderful job, just like they did versus Utah. But I, I'm not the kind of person that thinks that because you win that game, you should be the head coach. Nor did I think if he would have lost that game, then – he definitely shouldn't have been the head coach. I just didn't see the need to make such a decision right now. You talked to Pat Hayden, and it's posted right now at Trojansports.com today uh, at, the, at the press conference. Do you think that this was Hayden almost 
just tossing his hands up because the kids wanted it, the players wanted it, recruits seemed to be favorable, and a good moment to go ahead and make the decision, save himself some grief. There are numerous reports out there, some saying they did talk to Chip Kelly, some saying they didn't. Pat Hayden told you he did not talk to Chip Kelly. That doesn't mean that someone from the organization and the school didn't talk to Chip Kelly. And do you think that this was just simply Hayden saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with the drama, my health isn't great, we beat UCLA, it's a good time to go ahead and say, fine, you can be the head coach. (laughs) It's funny, I had that same conversation with someone in the athletic department, and that came out of their mouth. Really? And yeah, they intimated that, you know, they got the feeling almost that, that Hayden just wasn't interested in spending maybe the, the time that it would have taken to to unearth a big time hire. And the fact that he didn't talk to Chip Kelly, let's say he didn't, like he said, I think that makes it worse. Yeah, it why does. wouldn't why wouldn't you talk to Chip Kelly? Yeah. That he was only the most successful coach in the conference after Pete Carroll. And might be available in a couple weeks. Do you well, think, how do you how do you not talk to him? I think that's a great point. Do you think Clay Hilton had a lot of prospective offers on the table that made maybe USC jump? No, 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 no. And it, it reminds me of the 49ers last year. I'm a big 49ers fan. Right. It reminds me of them hiring Jim Tomsula after parting ways with Jim Harbaugh. And you're hiring a guy who hadn't even been a coordinator in the NFL in Jim, Tom, Jim Tomsula and wasn't being talked about or being interviewed for any other head coaching position. That's where Clay Helton was right now. And so I didn't get the need to hire him now. I guess it gives you a little bit of a boost going into this packed whole title game, although we know that the players were, were fighting for him. Right. And for them not to know that he would be the head coach might be better. You know, because it gives them uh, extra incentive going into that game. But anyway, Hayden said he made up his mind. He said that he had talked to Helton about three weeks ago for four hours, and then he talked to him again on Sunday after the win and decided, this is who I want. And so this is who he wants. Then his line of reasoning would be, I don't need any more time. I don't need to wait on this. I'm going to do it. I'm thinking, and I think a lot of other people are thinking, if you're going to really go through the process and talk to more NFL coaches or NFL assistants or other higher-profile college coaches, you didn't need to rush this. Win or lose on Saturday, you would have time to go through the evaluation process. And if you strike out in a couple... That's what I thought they would do. They they would go big, and maybe if they struck out in a couple, maybe you know they have Helton in their back pocket. Right. But there was no urgency. There was no need to to do this right now. Early reports were that it was a three year contract. You tweeted at Adam J Maya that it was a five year deal. Uh, any clarity on that? Yeah, five year deal, guaranteed. Wow. And I think it, it goes to the it goes to show the level of commitment that they have to him. And I also believe that they were committed to Steve Sarkeesian. And I think his off-field behavior sabotaged his position. You know, for as much scrutiny as we may give or others might think that there is for the USC coach to win and to win big, now I don't really believe that. I think Lane Kiffin shot himself in the foot. I think that these guys were were wanted, you know, I mean, where other people questioned why they were brought in, 
by USC, they were they were respected, they were beloved when they were, when they came in. They were wanted, and they didn't have to win a national title right away. You know, we we thought that's the standard, and now you're giving the keys to a person who has never been a full time head coach, and so I think it's probably smart that you do commit to him. Right. I I appreciate that, but I do not believe the fan base is going to give him that you know that patience and uh, that measure of you know forgiveness and that grace period that any coach should have. And so now I feel for Helton that if he can't win right away, if they start out you know two and two next year or whatever, that they're going to be calling for his head immediately. I give you the analogy, and only this because I watched way too much National Geographic Channel over the holiday weekend with the special on the 90s and then the 2000s, that so much we see, and, and go with me here for a moment, Adam, okay. that after you. the Clinton uh, presidency, even though it was hugely successful, he had popularity through the roof, mm-hmm. America and many people just didn't want to deal with any of the problems or the headlines, so a lot of people went to Bush to start a new, quote, era. And people felt, oh, well, maybe he'll, he won't have all the, the nonsense. Even though we love Clinton and we love everything going on, let's try to do something different, someone a little bit more quieter. Do you see that maybe after all the nonsense with Sark, and to your point, that they were committed, Sark was a USC guy, he was there for the glory years of Carroll, but you know what? Why have any problems? If we go get a Chip Kelly, if we go get somebody like this, there's just going to be problems. There could be a fallout. What if he doesn't win all this? Clay Helm, we know who he is. Very quiet, keeps his head down, just coaches. Do you think that maybe that's part of this? A, he's a USC guy, but also he's probably not going to give us any headaches. He's not going to show up drunk to a press conference. Yeah, absolutely. I talked to somebody who um, is very close to the athletic department who is very in tune with their, their line of thinking. And what he told me, I'm going to quote him here. I can't say who he is, but right. he said, I think stability is a factor not to be overlooked. And uh, Pat Hayden made no qualms about this either. He said, you know, Clay Helton's character, his integrity, um, his leadership is what won him this job. And so they wanted someone that would kind of keep them out of the news. You know, I mean, that's why they brought in Pat Hayden five years ago, because they wanted him to clean up the mess. Right. And he inherited Kiffin, and, and Kiffin kind of would put himself in the news for the wrong reason. And then they hired Stark, which was a gross misstep, as we know, mm-hmm. and put USC back in the news for the wrong reason, for issues that were really not even having to do a lot with football. I mean, on the football field, they were okay. They weren't terrible. They weren't where they wanted to be. But like I said, had he not been getting in trouble, then he would still be the head coach here, even with the same four team. I don't think he would have been on the hot seat. And so now you have a guy who I think they really believe in. And in that regard, I would, I guess I would support that decision um, I'm careful to say that, you know, because I really like Clay Helton as a man. Um, I've been around him for a while now, and he's extremely genuine. Um, you, you can just see it. it. It's really hard to read some of these guys sometimes and who they really are. And Clay Helton, he's someone that if, if I'm going to bet on somebody in terms of integrity, 
you know, I'm not willing to bet on a lot of people in this business, unfortunately. I'm just not, whether it be a player or a coach. I've just seen too much. Right. And, and Clay Helton is a guy that I would say, okay, there's an honest man. And I think Pat Hayden was at a point where I just want someone that is, you know, decent. And I say decent, but not to make light of that word, but really like someone that I trust, someone I can believe in, someone that I can hand over this program to because you're guiding, what, 118 or 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And the leadership has been really poor for too long. And I just think that they thought Helton was someone that was a, you know, like a, a gatekeeper, if you will. Speaking of reminiscing in the past, um, we all, of course, watched the 30 for 30 earlier, earlier this fall and Trojan War. Is this someone, in your opinion, Adam, that could strike that fire again? That could be a next, because that's what we're all searching for. Another Pete Carroll, another era like that. Does Clay Helton have that in him? Well, that remains to be seen. If you're asking my opinion, yeah. I think he can be a very good football coach. And that's something that's probably going to get lost on this hire because, as I said, it looked like USC just kind of was impatient and they took a big gamble when they probably didn't need to. I liken this whole process to, I know I'm going off on another tangent here, but that's fine. this is you know, what I'm thinking about right now. I liken the process to um, horse racing, and you have you know, 12, 12 horses in the field, and they all have their own odds. And you have the, the three-to-one odds, and the five-to-one, and the seven-to-one horse, and, and on and on and on. Helton, <laughs> he's probably the 20-to-one. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's just the way it works with coaching. That doesn't mean that he would he would be as poor as a twenty to one horse. But you know, in terms of his resume, it's it, it doesn't compare to the the resume to almost any other person that would probably be on their board. And Hayden said that they had seventeen people on their board, and he said that he interviewed several candidates, and. I can almost assure you that anybody on their board and anybody that he interviewed had more prestige than Clay Helton. And so with that said, we don't know yet, right? Where with other guys, we would know that they can, that they, they can coach at a high level. And that's why I think the fan base would want that person because what we've seen and what they've hired with the last two hires, you've already kind of gone down that road and you've already gambled too much and you've already gotten too sentimental. I feel like this is a very sentimental hire and they've already done that and it, it failed miserably. Now, Clay Hilton is not Lane Kiffin. He's not Steve Stark. He's very different from both of them where the two of them were pretty similar. He is very different and I think he's shown in short time that he can be a pretty good football coach. I think that he deserves a lot of credit for the way USC's playing. I know that they're 5-2. and two. They're not 7-0 and oh, like we thought they would have to be for him to win this job. Right. But I think that the way they're playing overall, the way that you know, the changes that he's already made, sometimes it can be kind of weird to make wholesale changes in the midseason, but he's adding these Monday practices you know, developmental workouts for the red shirts and for the the players that don't really play on Saturday. Um, he's I've, I've been told that 
he's behind a more aggressive defensive play calling and approach. We know offensively they're playing a very different brand of football. These are things that Pat Hayden cited as well and what attracted him to, to Clay Hilton. So I like the way he coaches football from what I've seen already. I just didn't think that they needed to to take such a, a big risk. Right, I mean, so it, so let me ask necessary. you. You know, yesterday, um, I, got, I got the Times at the market before uh, beginning a day of football, and I wrote, I read Plaschke's piece in the Times that said, you know, you have to hire Helton, you have to do it now. And I thought to myself, um, today we wouldn't be talking about that; we'd be speculating if he went. Sa- if he went Saturday, even him. I, I, <laughs> I respect Bill Plaschke a lot, but he takes some strong positions, right? And and that's what his job is, right? But I feel like he was trying to get out in front of this. He made the same, or not the same, he made a similar, he took a similar stance a year ago about Cody Kessler and how his performance versus Notre Dame um, was a platform for him to be a Heisman frontrunner. And he was grossly wrong about that. And if I would have had 10 seconds with Bill Plaschke, I would have told him, like, you're wrong. That day, I mean, watching Cody Kessler, there's no way that I would come out and say he should be a Heisman front runner and he's ready to be the best player in the country. So I'm just a lot of, a lot of the local media is getting behind this because it's convenient and it's comfortable. There you go. And I don't, I don't buy it. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you guys. You guys know that I tell it the way it is. And as I've said, I really like Clay Helton. I look forward to working with him, but if you're asking me what I think about the hire, I'm thinking that it was a rash decision and it was too big of a gamble. Local media not wanting to work hard at him. Now, there's a there's a news break. Last thing I want to ask you real quick before we take a, a short break and uh, have Swanee join us. Pat Forty wrote uh, for Yahoo Sports today that history has shown us, and it is just the fact that you can't get a USC head coaching job unless you've somehow walked the halls of Heritage Hall and been part of the fabric of the university at some point. Do you think that's true? Well, it seems like it. Obviously, Pete Carroll came with no connection to USC, but several of the hires have followed that line. And I don't know how much that should really matter. Right. You know, I mean, who's been their best coach? You could say it's been Pete Carroll. You could argue that he was more successful than John McKay. John McKay had no ties to USC when he came in. I don't think that's relevant at all. I feel like if you're a good football coach, that means many things. It means that you know what you're doing with developing talent. You know what you're doing with leading a team. You know what you're doing with connecting with players. You know what you're doing with recruiting. I mean, this is a really, really hard position. It's one of the most high-paid positions in America. And so the fact that you coached at USC should be a footnote, I think. There you go. There's the opinions of one Adam J. Maya. Follow him on Twitter, at Adam J. Maya. Okay, up ahead, Chris Swanson's going to join us. We've also got a special little piece of audio. Lindell White joined Jeff Ketchum today on Yahoo Sports Radio. Gave some really good opinions. We're going to play that back for you. We've got Adam's bumper sticker award. We're going to do predictions for Pac-12 championship game on Saturday, of course, against Stanford. We'll get into all of that, plus the recruiting implications and a lot of opinions at TrojanSports.com today from recruits from Adam Gorney, from our very own Mike Singer posted those. 
And uh, rumor is Blair Angulo, the f- the beaten Bruin, may uh, join us a little bit later on. It is the Monday edition. Full show ahead. Still a lot left. Thanks for joining us right here. The Trojansports.com podcast. You're listening to this week's edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay. I, I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the Trojansports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by our rivals. Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we can all use that, with a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And remember, everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan. From recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Back on the Trojansports.com podcast, Trojan Sports Talk on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Monday, November 30th, a day which will live in infamy. Not because Clay Helton was hired as head coach, but because today, Adam J. Maya at campus, at the press conference, interviewed what appeared to be a homeless man from Figueroa Street. No, 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 no. That was actually Chris P. Swanson, publisher of Trojan wow. Sports. And he joins us now. Wow. Chris, have you recovered from an early wake-up call and an interview with Adam J. Maya on screen? Yeah, uh, I haven't gone to sleep in three days, so... Yeah, but that has nothing to do with USC. Oh, well, yeah, kind of and kind of not in a way, (laughs) so, yeah. Now, I've got to ask you one thing before we get to business here. What does Jack in the Box serve on Thanksgiving Day? (laughs) Uh, Sourdough Jacks. (laughs) (laughs) No turkey, though, right? No turkey. Beautiful. But uh, plenty of sourdough jacks for me. So. All right, Mr. Swanson, uh, busy day. We will uh, get into the victory over UCLA and the beaten Bruins a little bit later on. But uh, pressing news today, of course, Clay Helton hired as the new head coach of USC. Why did it happen, and uh, how do you feel about it? Why did it happen? I have no idea. I like Clay Helton. Um, I think he's done a great job with this team. I don't. I still don't understand. He doesn't have the experience that you'd want uh, out of your ideal hire. If you, I think you were really taking the time to look around and look for a guy to coach this team, uh, you know, his resume is built on what USC has done this season, basically, and that hasn't been much. USC's eight and four. That's not good. Um, they've only been teams that they should have been. They've lost to every team that was good. The win over UCLA is against a bad UCLA team. I'm not trying to put down what Clay Helton's done this season because I think it's given 
tremendous circumstances, he's done a great job. I just don't understand why he's your permanent head coach. Nothing happened that made him the obvious choice. Uh, you know, all the talk was about him potentially replacing a guy at a smaller program that got picked up by a bigger school. Uh, and USC made him their guy. It, it's just, it's really mind boggling to me. I put it all on, on Pat Hayden, who I'm really starting to wondering if he's just completely incompetent and has no idea what he's doing as an athletic director. You know, over the weekend, LSU had that embarrassment where they, uh, it was reported that they were going to fire less miles and then, it, they changed their mind, and I thought to myself, LSU might have the worst athletic department in the country to to let something like that get out there, that they're going to fire a, a coach that you know won them a national title. Well, Pat Hayden changed my mind uh, in, in 48 hours. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know what he's it's, – it's, it's also the similarities to the Sarkeesian hire, another young offensive guy, a guy off a staff that hasn't accomplished anything – in years and years and years, there would be anything up to the standards of USC football. It just doesn't make sense to me. I like Clay Helen. I wish him all the best. I hope he doesn't hold this against me. It's not about him. It's about Pat Hayden, who I think needs to go. Let me ask you something. Uh, wait, wait, how do you, how do you really feel? <laughs> <laughs> so what, well, let me take you back, Chris, because you said we haven't accomplished anything. Let me take you back to Thursday, October 8th, that night, when USC was stunned by Washington at the Coliseum. I was driving back from having dinner with my father. We, we saw the game. I remember listening to our friend Sean Cody on the radio, and everyone was just stunned. At that moment, had somebody said to you, had the genie popped up from the bottle and said, you know what? If we can guarantee you that you're going to beat UCLA, you're going to finish the season with a winning record, and you're going to go play for the Pac-12 championship game, would you give Clay Helton the job at that moment? I think most of Southern California and most of USC's alum and, and players would have said, great, gosh, can you guarantee us that in such a disarray of a season? Now that we've, we're, we're here, post-Thanksgiving, and that moment has arrived, how can you say that nothing's been accomplished? Wait, wait I, I want to answer first. Okay. And I, I forget about the whole nothing's been accomplished comment, but to answer what you're asking I don't think that matters as much as it should matter or apparently has mattered that they beat UCLA. Beating one team shouldn't win you a job, nor should it lose you a job. It's about being able to beat every team. And Clay Hilton hasn't proven that. And you could say he could catch 22 because he hasn't been given that opportunity. But there are a lot of other people that have proven that they could do that. And that's why we thought USC would go for them. When they announced that Sarkeesian was going to be put on leave, my very first thought was, I wonder who the interim coach will be. Right. I didn't even know that he would be Helkin. I thought it might have been Wilcox. I thought it might have been T. Martin. I thought it could have been Tuyakusopo. I was very unsure about who the interim coach would be. And when I heard it was Helkin, I thought, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I know he did it for, you know, for the Vegas Bowl. But it wasn't even obvious that he would be that guy. And since then, I think he's done an excellent job. I really do. And so everything I'm saying is, you know, with that caveat. You know, he's proven that he can probably do a good job. But that doesn't mean that you just give him one of the biggest college football programs in the country 
and roll him out there when it, there's so much pressure to win and the expectations are so high. Unless they're not. Maybe we're overestimating it. Maybe the standards are, are not that high. Well, well, here's the thing, though. But you said um, we didn't uh, we didn't really know it would be Clay Helton, and I think most of us didn't really care because we all thought whoever's going to step into this mess is going to get bludgeoned like a Thanksgiving turkey the rest of the season. But that didn't happen. So, Swanee, I, I bring it back to you. Uh, Chris, wait, no, hold on. I'm gonna, give me one more minute here. Okay, yes. Okay. I did not think that they were going to beat Utah. I predicted that Utah would beat them by, I think, like 18 points. So I was very wrong on that. I, I own that. Um, but then they played their soft spot in the schedule. They played Cal. They played Arizona. They played Colorado. I expected them to win all those games. They won them. Then I thought they would not beat Oregon. I thought they might get blown out versus Oregon. And that happened. And I'm not trying to pin that on Helkin. That's just where the program was at. And with UCLA, I thought it would be a tight game. And they dominated it. So he's probably exceeded expectations. But, and it's not even like if he would have won out, I would think that he should get the job. Yeah, You know what I mean? I'm not trying to like offer revisionist history here. Right. I, I just I think Chris and I both feel like this wasn't his job to win. And I felt the same way about Ed Orgeron two years ago. I felt like he was never going to get that job. And it wasn't about whether he beat UCLA or not. It was because they were going to go big. And then they didn't. <laughs> so they, they, did, they, they have yet to do what I thought they would do. And so... And I don't necessarily disagree with it, with you guys. I'm just simply playing the good circus moderator here to bring yeah. out uh, some thoughts. And, and Swanee, I, I now, after the Maya okay. Minute, bring it back to you. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, why was it his job to win and did he win it? Because I look at USC's schedule and yes, they rebounded nicely from, from you know some terrible things that happened this season. But who did they beat? Who did they beat? Utah is not the number three team in the country that we thought they were. They are an average team, and they beat them at home. They beat Cal, average team. Arizona, average team. They beat Colorado by three points, and Oregon beat them by 20. This isn't even an outstanding job on the season. This is an eight and four average season. How do you hire Clay Helton after it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. That, that's where my frustrations come from when I say they haven't accomplished anything I'm referring to, you know, comparing it to, to what I would expect a USC team that's ranked number six in the preseason to do. I know that when Clay Helton took over the team, they already had two losses. But eight and four, I mean, he finished five and two. That's not that great. That's not a run that you're going to say, oh, this coach that doesn't have the resume to coach at USC has won the job because he won five of seven games, most of which USC was heavily favored in, or at least well, favored they, they, in. They won every game they, they were favored in, and they lost the two that they were not. But they And they got blasted by Oregon, though. Yeah. They did get beat like it's, a rented mule, no doubt about that. It, it just... It, I have heard just, that one before. <laughs> there yeah. you go. It just doesn't make sense to me. It really... It really doesn't. So let me ask you, Swanee, and uh, yes. Adam and I talked about this in our first segment. Do you think, uh, two-part question, do you think Pat Hayden just did this because he didn't want to deal with it? Uh, the, the players wanted this. It seemed like the recruits wanted this. Uh, people, it was the easy thing. Clay Helton was winning. It was a great moment. 
uh, to say, hey, we beat UCLA. We're going to the Pac-12 championship game. No matter what happens on Saturday against Stanford up in Palo Alto, guess what? Doesn't really matter. Or Santa Clara, excuse me. Doesn't really matter because we're making the decision now. So sort of uh, to, to your point, something's wrong. He doesn't want to deal with it a lazy hire. And B, second part of the question, do you think that anybody actually talked to Chip Kelly? Okay. Um, I, I don't know about Chip Kelly. I, we, were, we were told that they didn't talk to Chip Kelly, which is um, – Insane. I mean, I, I don't. He's he's gone from the Eagles for reports. Uh, he's probably going to take an NFL job, and I think that's where he prefers to stay. But you think that USC would just talk to him? So I hope USC talked to him, even though you know we were told they didn't. Um, as for Pat Hayden and the lazy hire part, I don't even know if I'd call it a lazy hire. Uh, <laughs> I just don't. It, it's not lazy. It's incompetent. You can't hire him. You just can't. Like, he doesn't have the resume. He didn't beat enough teams. They didn't do enough. Even if they beat Stanford and win an upset in the Rose Bowl, they're a 10 and 4 team. Who cares? This is a throwaway season. It's not a good season. Move on. Get a new coaching staff. It's time. Like, it, it just really, I wouldn't even call it lazy. I just call it incompetent. I don't know how else to describe it. I, I have no idea what Pat Hayden was even thinking with hiring Clay Helton. It doesn't make sense to me on, on any level. I think that there's so, even the young head coaches out there, the young guys younger than Clay Helton, many of them, like some of them were proven than him. I, I, you know, I thought that many people would have thought that if USC went for a, for a young guy, it would have been a reach and they reached even further for no reason. I, I don't know. I really, I don't know how to, how to feel about this. It feels like USC doesn't, hold themselves in the same light as their fan base does or maybe as the rest of the country does because Clay Helton is not the hire for this kind of program unless they're coming off of success and he's the coordinator under a successful coach then maybe it would make sense but you know they they had no success in this era really in terms of you know when you compare it to what you expect from USC to be USC is supposed to compete for championships they haven't gone anywhere near that and if they win a Pac-12 championship this year it's cheapened uh, it's because they were able to sneak into the title game and pull off an upset this probably would be one of their weakest Pac-12 championship teams of all time I, I don't know why Clay Helton is your coach basically I'm sorry I'm sorry yes if you're saying to yourself that Chris Swanson's rant music sounds eerily like the Bowser Nintendo theme. That's what Chris Swanson's official rant music is this week on the Trojan Sports Podcast. Bowser, back to you, Adam Maya. Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> We're coming on pretty hard here. I do want to make this point. I think Chris will agree with me here. Clay Hilton might very well prove to be an excellent football coach. I don't know if Chris Swanson agrees with that. <laughs> oh, did you, you wanted me to say something. I thought you were, make, I thought you were making a point. Uh, yeah, I, he could be. He definitely could be, but that's not the point. This has nothing to do with Clay Helton. Clay Helton could be a very good coach uh, for USC even. It could work out. I'm not saying that it can't work out. It just doesn't make sense to me why USC's you know putting themselves in a situation where the national spotlight is shining on the fact that they weren't able to get a, a big name guy when everybody thought that would be you know the plan for them where they're coming off of hiring two young offensive coaches and it failed both times you just exactly. everybody thought you try to do something different. We had Michael Lev on this show, and we were talking about Tom Herman, who I think would be a great hire for USC. 
And we talked about how it probably wouldn't happen because Tom Herman is young and an offensive guy. That's exactly who they hired, but they hired a less qualified candidate. It's not about Clay Helton. I'm, I, I hope that I'm not coming off across as mean to Clay Helton. I think he's, he could be a great coach. I think he's a great guy. He's just not ready to be the you know, USC head coach. Based on his resume, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and keep in mind, for everybody listening, Clay Helton actually has instilled a brand of football that our Chris Swanson loved. Right. I mean, you love yes. how physical they are, how they run the ball, how they commit to doing that, how they've been able to stop the run. They're, they've been a lot more fundamental. Um, they've been managed a lot better in games. And so we like the direction that they've been going in. It's just, it was such a leap to, to hire Clay Elkin right now, I feel like. It's just a, at the juncture in his career, it just seemed like it was um, premature. We're yes. Gonna, we're going to get to the uh, Adam J. Maya bumper sticker award in just moments. Let me ask you one other thing, Chris, and I, I brought up this in our first segment as well. Got the, the LA Times yesterday at the market, was doing some shopping, and went to the sports section, and right there, Bill Plaschke wrote, this removes all doubt, hire Helton. And a lot of people seem to have that sentiment yesterday heading into this morning's announcement. Why the rush? Why not wait for Saturday? Why not give it some time? What's the rush? I have no idea. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me on any level. Uh, maybe because they didn't want him to lose the title game, and then they give him the job, and people <laughs> start questioning the expectation. I, I really, I don't know. Um, I don't know why the UCLA game would even decide it. I mean, look, look at their schedule since he took over. Let's throw out the Notre Dame game. Let's throw that out. That, that doesn't count to me because that was a crazy week. They blew out Utah great. Close game with Cal that they could have lost. Close game against Arizona that they could have lost. Definitely. Beat Colorado by three. Blown out by Oregon. Beat a UCLA team that is eight and four and has been blown out three times on the year. Who cares that they blew out UCLA? UCLA is not good. Nothing about it. Like, this, it just the schedule doesn't make sense. The timing doesn't make sense. I, I it's it's an administrative problem. It's not a coaching problem. They can they can still be coached well. They can still do well with this coaching staff going forward. It's an administrative problem at USC. They're so obsessed with themselves, with looking in themselves. It's why they they hired Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Clay Helton. Three national coaching searches, and you go to three USC assistant coaches, three consecutive times. It doesn't make any sense. Like it just doesn't make sense. I don't know what they're they're thinking. I, I just don't know what the higher above, you know, the uh, the upper, uh, you know, level of the athletic department is thinking. It's the definition of insanity that you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Well, and Pat Forty made that point today on Yahoo Sports that uh, he has a column that you can't get the USC head coaching job, it seems like, unless you've walked the hallways uh, there at USC. And, and Adam made a good point uh, in our first segment of, well, Pete Carroll wasn't that. But I think that, exactly. that recently, though, Pat Hayden is sort of going by that uh, definition that you need to be part of that fabric of USC or else uh, you ain't going to get the job. Bird in the say. hand. That, that's what uh, one of my sources told me. Bird in the hand. 
that just brings kind of all kinds of frightening images to me. It reminds me of the movie <laughs> The Birds, and then I see Chris Swanson there getting attacked by a crow. It just uh, It's all okay. kinds of things. I'm very creative. I've yeah. done a lot of drugs in my life. What can I say? My brain okay. is very active. Okay. It's a family show, Chris Morales. Yes, family. a family show. Uh, time, speaking of families and speaking of the man that tries to keep us all morally honest, tries. Keyword there. Adam J. Maya and the Bumper Sticker Award. We cue the music. I have a feeling it's not going to Clay Helton, but why don't you tell us who it is, Adam, this week? <laughs> How can it not go to Clay Helton? <laughs> um, you know what? I, uh, again, we, we know that, you know, I'm shocked here. I, I still am. I'm, I'm reeling from this because I did not expect it. But um, I think it's fair. Um, if you talk to Clay Helton, you know that this was his dream job. And I think we heard a similar sentiment from Kiffin and from Stark because they had kind of grown up at USC. Clay Helton did not grow up at USC, but he's just a very modest guy that was not expecting to be in this position. You know, he took this job coming from Memphis and had you know, played Houston and comes over to the West Coast and comes here to, to coach quarterbacks. And he, he's actually younger than you might think he is. I believe he's 43. So he came here at about 37 and just looking to work his way up. But he wasn't out to win this job. He's just someone that shows up to work and gives everything he has and makes his work, his life, and he's a family guy. And I guess I just have a lot of admiration. <laughs> uh, as much as I'm maybe not in total support of the decision, I can admire and respect how he goes about his business and how he got to this place. Um, he appears to be a very uh, faith-oriented person, which uh, I also admire. And so... I mean, he's the Trojan of the week, you know. It's not about what happened at the UCLA game. Um, He got the deal of a lifetime. And I think that he'll respect the job. And I feel like that might have been lacking. There might have been a little bit too much uh, entitlement or comfortability with the last two hires. And I think that uh, Clay Helton will respect USC and represent USC to the best of his ability. We'll see where that goes. But I think the least I could do right now is give him the bumper sticker award for the Trojan of the Week. I want to say something about Clay Helton, too, um, since I just went off on Pat Hayden, and that might be viewed as me being mean to Clay Helton as well. Uh, I think that he can definitely be successful at USC. I have tons of confidence in his coaching ability, and I also think that he'll be under probably more pressure than any USC coach in the history, in their history. Um, before him, I would have said it was Sarkeesian because of his similarity to Lane Kiffin. I think it's definitely going to be Clay Hill. Now, if he is successful at USC and I think that he has shown, uh, you know, something in his personality, something in his skill set that makes me think he definitely can be, he could go down in history eventually as one of the best coaches of all time. This could be, you know, the start of something very special. And we're not seeing that yet because, you know, of kind of 
the questions about, you know, the uncertainty with why is USC making this decision? Why is it at this time? You know, why are they cutting, getting a coach cut from the same cloth? There's so many questions and, uh, you know, about the athletic department and their decision here that we're kind of overlooking the fact that Clay Helton can definitely pull this off. He seems like he has, you know, the, the talent to do it. And if he does under that kind of pressure, you have to respect him as much as anybody in the coaching game immediately if he gets USC, you know, to a couple of Rose Bowls in the, you know, or in the next few years or something like that. I, I don't know if you agree with that, Adam. But yeah, well, he might get them there next week. <laughs> okay, but this this yeah, doesn't care. This, it's an eight and four season. You know what I mean? Like this. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. It doesn't I know count. What you mean. Yeah. It's not the same. I don't care if they beat you know whoever in the Rose Bowl. I don't care right. if they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and they beat them. Like this season was not good. So, well, you know, Richard Sherman and Pete Carroll did beat the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, uh, boys, I think we uh, take a moment on that. But it's let let the uh, let the Chris Swanson machine uh, rest there for just a moment. <laughs> Lindell White. Oh, it's never resting. Uh, I know it's I'm never fired resting. Up. No, I'm you're always a little too. fired up. You're always ready for action. Lindell White joined uh, <laughs> Jeff Ketchum, the publisher of OrangeBoys.com, but he also has a radio show on Yahoo Sports Radio today. Really good stuff. Lindell agrees with the decision, but is uh, makes some good points here. We're going to go ahead and uh, hit the button like the George Michael sports machine from way back when and let you guys enjoy that. And still to come, we've got some predictions for Saturday. Uh, rumor is Boyer and Gulo, the beaten Bruin, is going to join us and questions from the message board directed Trojansports.com. So we cue the tape. Lindell White earlier today on Yahoo Sports Radio. Lindell, it's been a while, man. How are you? I'm good. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm cool. I just... Uh... Well, I'll just be quiet. You tell me what you what your thoughts were when you heard the news today. I mean, I got to be honest, and this is just from me and my opinions again. I think that it's a it's a, it's a good hire. Um, I think we we're so caught up on you know trying to get that big name and the, the Chip Kellys or the Les Miles to come in and turn a program around. When really, you just need somebody that's hungry. That's hungry with you know with an eager attitude, ready to come in and make a difference. Okay, we we've been so post we Pete for so long, but we've been trying to emulate Pete for so long that it hasn't worked to this point. So you know we brought in Sark, we brought in Kiff. I mean they did great jobs, you know, but they, I don't think they were awarded enough time to actually turn a program around. Um, but when you bring this guy in, of course he was under Sark, but you know from my recollection and for me being around, I don't really. I don't know what it helped him to be a Pete Carroll guy and to share the same, you know, uh, things about his football that, you know, Pete Carroll does. So I honestly believe it's a good hire. I just believe he's a young guy, hungry. You know, he's been passed up before. He's won football games there. He's won clutch football games when we needed him to win football games. And he came into a situation where it wasn't easy. I mean, he stepped in, in in a situation where somebody just got fired. We were supposed to be in the tank, we, you know, and, and who knew where we were supposed to go from there? We're Pac-12 champions now. We're about to play in the, you know, for the Pac, we're Pac-12 South champions. We're about to play for the Pac-12 championship. So I, I think he's done an amazing job, you know, and we might as well get behind him now because this, this is this is our guy. And I, I believe he can lead us back to greatness. And, you know, again, that's my opinion, but I honestly believe he has it in him. No, look, we're talking to Lindell White here on Yahoo Sports Radio, courtesy of Aggressive Insurance Hotline. No question that in very difficult circumstances, 
he's done a really good job. I would say we have to be careful to say he's done a great job. I would say that staff as a whole well, yeah. has done a really yeah, good the, job of definitely the, the staff has come together. And, and but I mean, but with, when you fall into that job, it's no different than Ed Odron a couple years ago when he or last year when he fell into that job, or a couple years ago when he fell into the job and he got those guys to rally around him. When you become the head guy, they're still looking to you for answers. They're still going to look to you. Although these coaches are, you know, they've probably been in situations to where they're going to react. When you become the head guy, you still have the final say, and everybody's looking, you know, to you for answers. The way he got everybody to come together, jail, and the way I see those kids react to him, you know, like I, I've seen that. I've seen on the sideline. I've seen how they feel towards him. So, I, I mean, I – it's not about us and what the alumni want and what people out, outside of that football team want. Sometimes, you know, it's in your locker room and, and, and greatness is in your locker room. Like I said, this guy, is a, everybody's been passing him up. He wasn't on none of our list. Nobody's even giving him a shot in, in the dark. So you don't think that that hunger probably sits in his stomach somewhere? We also have to look at this. Before Pete Carroll came in, we had tried to hire, what, five other coaches before we finally hired Pete Carroll, and then Pete Carroll ended up becoming Pete Carroll. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you've you got to give it a chance. You have to give it a shot. Things will work out, but you have to believe before anything. Talking to Lindell White here on Yahoo Sports Radio. So, Lindell, these would be a couple of counterpoints that I would make. And, look, on some level, you've already said it. The decision is made. So if you're a USC supporter, you should probably get on the train. Otherwise, you're just going to be miserable wondering about what if. Yeah. But this is – if you look at what's happened, you know, what, two weeks ago they lose to Oregon by 20. And if yeah. you look at the wins that they've accumulated, I personally have a hard time giving him the job – simply by beating Utah, Cal, Arizona, and Colorado. And then, obviously, UCLA this weekend. I mean, he's probably beaten the teams that USC should beat, and then they probably should have lost to Oregon and Notre Dame. So I just I don't know that enough was done this season. And look, maybe if they make this decision after this weekend and they beat Stanford, maybe it would make I, more sense. Yes, but then the see, other thing is, Lindell, real quick, really the other thing I would say, okay. he doesn't – with Pete Carroll – the thing that Pete had done, he'd had a couple of head coaching jobs in the NFL by then. He'd been with the Jets. He'd been with the Patriots. He had head coaching experience. You just gave, USC did, a top five job to a guy that has has zero head coaching experience. So I guess for me, as, in, as a guy that's just sitting in Texas watching this thing from afar, my anticipation would be that USC could go out and do better, but to be fair, I don't know enough about Clay Helton to be able to tangibly say he's not good. I just know that others have more significant track records, and this feels like a risk of sorts. I mean, I hear you, but right here it's like a, it's a, we're in a tough situation. I mean, you, you, like you said, you're in, you're in a job where it's top five in the world. But, again, you can't go out and, you okay, you got the less miles of the world. you got the Chip Kellys. you have – even the Pete Carrolls. But again, it's like, what do you, which way do you want your program to go? Do you want, a lot of us, you know, the alumni, and there's people back there that, although they want coaches, they want somebody that's one of their guys. We don't want a guy, you know, that used to bleed Oregon duck colors, and that's what he used to preach for, you know, life. And then Les Miles down at LSU. We don't, we want somebody that knows what the Trojan, the belief in the Trojan, what we believe in, that's behind there. And I believe this guy knows that. Like, of course, he, he probably doesn't have the experience, but, again, when you have somebody out there telling you you can't do something, again, you probably get that, that pit in your stomach to tell you you can. 
And if Pat Hayden, you know, a lot of people, I know I'm pretty sure went into this this hiring of, of this guy, so I'm pretty sure when, when they sat down, they weighed the goods and the bads and everything in between. But they figured that this guy is the best for the job at this point. Like, he's, he, we need a fresh face. We need somebody with their own mentality to this game, and, and he has that. The way he has these guys playing right now, he, you couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, we have so many freshmen across the board trying to play. You know, we have underclassmen at every position playing right now. We got guys out with banged up. And the way that he's got these guys to come and rally together and believe in one another, it's unreal. First of all, I mean, and to keep going on that point, is that you're at USC again, this job, and you've been able to do that with all this pressure upon you. Nobody in the world thought he was going to be able to come in, take over, and be, be the Pac-12 champion South and be, have a chance to win and go to the Rose Bowl. Nobody in the world thought that. But he came in and he got those guys to believe. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Like When those players in the locker room believe in you and, and people around there, that's all that matters. No, I mean, look, it is talking to Lindell White here on Yahoo Sports Radio. Give him a follow on Twitter at the real underscore Lindell. Uh, as a USC guy, is there what's the biggest? So it, now that the head coaching job is is satisfied and secured, is there a number one thing you think he has to do first, or what's the, what's his first order of business as you see it? The first order of business is okay because he's. Because of the way I think people are looking at him and they rate him as a, a coach, I think the first thing in business is to, to bring in an unbelievable staff, you know, get people around you to where you can bring some big names in and help you with the staff, I feel like. And I think once he does that, I think people will jump on board with his decision-making. Uh, you know, um, I just think that it's going to take time. We, we can't put this guy in the thing and, and think he's going to win a national championship next year. It's going to take time. You, we probably, I ain't going to tell him about the rebuilding. Or not. I don't say that, but what I'm saying is it's going to take time for him to get the players in that he probably wants to recruit and play, and, and that's going to get on board with what he got going on. And I think once that happens, man, I think we're a year and a half, two years out of it because the players we already got on that team are hungry enough that when he gets his other players in, we'll be right back in it. And I honestly believe that with him as a coach. Lindell, this is a tricky question, so forgive me for asking it, but it is something that's in my mind. Given that you know, you can make the case that when Pat Hayden hired Coach Sark, he didn't vet that situation well enough, and it kind of led to the position that we're in. The Lane Kiffin situation didn't exactly work out. Should Pat Hayden have been in a position of being able to make this hire? I mean, if, if this is the guy that the, the full administration and alums were comfortable with, then right on. But there's a part of me that wonders if, if Pat I, Hayden I, knows I, what he's doing. I hear what you're saying. But, I mean, see, I used to believe a long time ago that we all had a choice. And, like, the, high, the guy that usually said he was making the calls was making the calls. But see, now I know, and I've been in so many positions and played on so many teams that that's not necessarily the case. I'm pretty sure Pat Hayden had some kind of say in what's going on, but I, it was a it was a collective group. They probably went in. They probably went after somebody, and somebody probably declined the job. And once that happened, they probably went back in, realized that they probably had the guy sitting in front of their face, and they made a decision. But I honestly don't believe it was just Pat Hayden on himself. And that again, me just speaking. But I know how the you know the this stuff works, and it, it's bigger than just Pat Hayden what he wants to say at this point. I'm pretty sure it was a collective uh, agreement. Lindell, maybe the most 
relatable thing that you said that I think all guys can understand. Maybe, maybe the right guy was right there in front of your nose. And as men, instinctively, sometimes we take for granted what's right there in front of us, and we're always wanting something bigger and something better. You know, I think about women and how many times have we had a good woman, and then we end up wanting something different because of the exotic chase <laughs> exactly. of it all. It sounds like in your mind that at its very basic level – Clay Helton is a would be the equivalent of a good woman who will stand by you and you never have to worry about her and she makes you better. I really believe that exactly. And I mean, me meeting with him and the way he wants the the, the guys from past teams around the program and the way he wants our perspective and things like that. I mean, I, I honestly couldn't ask for a guy better. I, I just I like what he got going and I feel that you know, regardless of what people may say out there, I feel like this is the best hire for us and I really believe he's going to get the job done regardless of what everybody else I'm so glad that we uh, that we were able to get Lindell White here on the show courtesy of Aggressive Insurance Hotline give him a follow on Twitter at the real underscore Lindell former USC great Lindell I always talk about it but uh, man I've been uh, along covered you for so long it's always great to have you on the show uh, best of holidays coming up uh, here and uh, have a great week and thanks for the time all right, thank you, man. Happy holidays. Fight on. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And thank you to Yahoo Sports Radio and Jeff Ketchum there. Some great audio from earlier today with Wendell White uh, joining Yahoo Sports Radio and Ketch. Some good stuff. Wendell agrees with the decision. We are back here on the Trojansports.com podcast. Chris Swanson, Adam J. Maya. We feel that the embers are still burning of Swanson's rant earlier on uh, one Pat Hayden. And I guess I, I'll say this. In the break, we were talking about while we uh, played that audio of uh, maybe we uh, Swanee brought it on a little tough, but I think it was really good, and I think you're right on on many points. As you think of the, the sort of golden uh, ring, if you will, of coaches around college football, and you'd think of Urban Meyer, you'd think of Nick Saban, even though Les is probably you know uh, not as as great as he once was, but Les Miles up there, that sort of that sort of uh, that that look, the coach, the coach that has that swagger, the guy who can walk into a living room. What Pete Carroll had, what even some, what Wayne Kiffin definitely had. He had that arrogance. Even if Coach Helton wins the Rose Bowl, even if he has a great season next season, he seems like he'll never have that swagger, right, Swanson? No, I think I think he will. You I think have so. Conf- I have confidence that Coach Helen can be a good coach, and, and I think he could gain it. Um, you know, I think people have swagger in different ways. He is that Southern gentleman, but I think that, you know, if you win a Rose Bowl and you're at USC and you're getting all these top recruits that come along, you know, with winning, you're going to feel confident. You know, you're going you're gonna to know that you're good at your job, that you're one of the best, and, you know, he might not show it like he might not be a jerk about it like maybe some other coaches right. are. That's that's kind of what I expect out of Clay Helton. I confident, classy swagger, I guess. Ah, I look at that. Confident yeah. and classy. Just like many say about Chris Swanson all the time. Yeah. Uh, who? No, gonna, <laughs> who says I'm gonna, that? I'm, I'm gonna give you a name. I'm gonna give you a name here. Mike Riley. Oh that's, gosh, Adam. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> um I okay, I know. I just remember when we had him on the uh, the hot board for like a second back in uh you know, the beginning and just the reaction. No, I'm talking got, about so. that's what he reminds me of. The classic. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. 
This is his style. Um, I'll tell you, Clay Hilton, within a couple weeks of becoming the interim coach, went and made sure to find out what my name was and then would address me by my name every time I asked a question. I've been covering this team for 12 years. None of the other coaches ever learned my name or said my name. I mean, he's just a different guy. He's, he doesn't think he's better than you or bigger than you or or too good for anyone. You know, he, he's just a, a real guy. And I think the players, they adore him for that because they see that he's like their their father or their uncle, you know, that, that father figure. And he's not trying to, like, play these different games and and he's not... Um, He's not going to, I guess, screw him over, you know, because, I mean, coaches have a lot of pull over a player's career while they're there. And I think that he'll be up front. You know, I think he'll be genuine. And and so I think whether it's been the star player or the guy who doesn't really play, you hear each one of them screaming for Helton to be the coach. And so I think he's just trustworthy in a way that, a lot of other coaches are not. I won't be your father figure, as the great George Michael once said. All right, question from the message board time, boys. And Chris Swanson's probably thinking, who's George Michael at this moment? No, I know George Michael. Not to be confused with the George Michael I just referenced earlier in the sports machine. Different George Michael. We go to the message board. Our old friend, Trojan Fan 68, Nick from Cyprus. A close personal friend, I am convinced, of Adam Maya. But his favorite <laughs> is Adam. He gives love to Chris P. Swanson, and he actually gets my name somewhat right. Not Chris Rodriguez this week, but Chris Morales. Thank you. Well, and we appreciate you, Nick, getting my name right this week. Okay, you've asked a lot of questions, some of them coaching, but let's dig in here a little bit. Uh, I open it up to you guys. Nick brings up who was the offensive player of the season, who was the defensive player of the season, and who was the special teams player of the year. I start with you, Mr. Maya. <laughs> well, he answered all of them. Yeah, I, I was going to let you kind of work <laughs> in his answers there. Yeah, Juju, Sua, Adore. Do you, you agree? agree? Do you guys yeah. agree with him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Of course. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Well, that makes that simple. Okay. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> he also well, says, "Go ahead." I go just, ahead. Well, I mean, I, I kind of just want to point out that I think Adore Jackson's by default, though, because uh, I would like to see him clean up some of those, some of those little things that he does when he's picking the ball off of the ground for no reason or fielding it out of bounds. And I think, you know, well, some of the, it seems obvious and obviously we agree with all these selections, but you know, I think Justin Davis deserves some credit, maybe like under consideration for offensive player of the year. Cause it seems like he kind of carried their offense the last couple games. You know, there's some other guys that could compete with it, but yeah, I do agree with Juju Sua and Adore Jackson. He says, special thanks to the senior class who stuck around through thick and thin. We agree. Last question, and we're going to get into actual predictions uh, in a little bit, but who do you got winning the Pac-12 title? He says USC by 10, and let's keep the answer simple. Do you think he's nuts? Yes or no? No. No. Okay. And again, predictions coming in just one moment. Thank you, as always, Nick from Psychverse. We move on. Marty SC Psych, Adam, Chris, what's your take on Mike Farrell's opinion that of the two, the Georgia job is a better job than SC, especially when he states that Georgia does not involve, quote, a rebuilding situation, implying that SC does. Mr. Swanson. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's wrong. Uh, I, I said that when 
uh, you know, these stories get on our message board when somebody, you know, picks a, a middle of the pack SEC team that's only won two national titles in its history as a, you know, better job than USC. So, uh, yeah, I think I think he's wrong. Um, unfortunately, I think USC, you know, with this hire might have given Mike Farrell some credibility to his <laughs> statement because Georgia will get a bigger coaching name and, and people will question why. But no, there's there's no way Georgia's a better job than USC. USC won more national titles than Georgia has ever won in the 1930s. You know, in a seven-year run between 2002 and 2008, they won more national titles and more Heisman Trophy, trophies than Georgia's ever won in its entire history. It's not even a close comparison. USC is one of the four best jobs in college football uh, and Georgia's just a regular SEC team. Yeah. Adam, I, you agree? I'm, I'm good. Oh, beautiful. Shooter McGavin, 22, in your opinion, who goes pro this offseason? Justin Davis making a push? Noah Jefferson seems to be getting much more run than Jacob Daniel. Is Jefferson playing that well, or is Jacob Daniel, excuse me, is Jacob Daniel just not that far along? Mr. Maya. Okay, well... You can probably bet on Stuart Cravens leaving at the end of the year. Even with Helton coming back, he made a comment about how that could give him something more to think about, which goes to show what he's already thinking. Um, then there's always somebody, right? Like George Farmer was that guy last year, and I think the year before, it was George Uko. There's always somebody that you're not expecting to go, and they go. Justin, maybe because he's a running back, and I think with running backs, they just have a, a very different situation. And so I don't really critique, you know, their line of thinking if they want to get out. They only have so many carries in that body. Um, I don't know that it would be great for him in terms of his draft position. But again, if, if he feels like he doesn't want to risk injury, then I can't fault that. And anybody else, Chris? I think Zach, Zach Banner. Um, yeah, I, gosh, I, I never thought he would, and then now it sounds like he's planning to. Well, he said that he isn't, but, I mean, he's talked about before that he's going to think about it. He told me he's going to make a decision and talk with people about it, and, you know, I could see it happening. Uh, he'd be a project in the NFL. He was a project coming into college, but he has that size that, you know, makes everybody think this guy could be a, one of the best probably if, you know, if he figures it out and, uh, you know, gets his technique right and his flexibility going. And you know what I mean? It's just that size is so intriguing to coaches, and I know how coaches think. They're going to look at him and say, yeah, well, he hasn't had my coaching yet. I, I could turn him into something special, and I think there could be an opportunity for him. So I could see it happening. I could see him going pro, yeah. yeah I, I, it's not obvious. I think Sue is really the obvious one this year. And then going back to the second part of his question about Noah Jefferson and Jacob Daniel, they're playing different positions, and Daniel is behind Antoine Woods, who's been one of their best players, I think, over the last month. So there probably hasn't been as much of a need for Jacob Daniel. Uh, Noah Jefferson probably a little bit more uh, developed physically. And I think that's why he's out there. And he's making a bit of an impact. Daniel did get some run early in the year, but was a bit quiet. I mean, I think these guys are the future, so I wouldn't read too much into their playing time right now. But I think uh, Jefferson just showing that he's a little bit ready, a little bit more ready to, to play. 
Marty SC Psych returns, asking, did we hear the rumors that they could announce a coach on Tuesday? Well, actually, Marty, it was Monday. And personally, he says he would be somewhat shocked if that happened, that the job went to Clay Helton. Uh, just rewind the tape, and you could hear the shock and awe of Chris <laughs> B. Swanson. David Waha, next up. Uh, two questions, and I think we've kind of covered them. One being yeah. about the coach decision. Second, which draft eligible non seniors do you expect to c- declare for the draft, <laughs> David? We uh, we just answered that, but thank you as always for the question. Thank you. Versatile John twenty. After watching the game again, Zach Banner had the best game I have seen an SC tackle have in this rivalry since John Guerrero in 1988. Personally, I think he should stay as he has some things to work on, in my opinion. However, Banner having a good game at left tackle this year, along with being dominant physically in drive blocking at times from his right tackle spot, could cause him to be more confident about leaving. What say you fellows? Yeah, well, Banner likes to say things, and... I think he meant what he said when he said that he loved being a Trojan in past tense and was prepared to move on and then didn't expect to get the backlash and for people to really question him about it, which I don't understand how he wouldn't be prepared for that. But I think he backtracked. And I think now he's trying to save face and say that he doesn't know what he's doing yet. But I think he's preparing to leave. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's just, I don't, I don't know how you make the comment, uh, you know, I loved being a Trojan, and that doesn't mean you're leaving. I, th- I think he's leaving. I think that that's, even if even if he didn't, you know, even if he said it accidentally, you know, there's a Freudian slip. It just seems like you don't say that unless that's in your mind somewhere. So I, he, I, he actually said elsewhere, too, that, you know, Something about playing his final game with Alex Wood, neither of which are seniors, and Alex Wood ain't going pro, so he he knew what he was doing. Versatile John Twenty ends on this. Also, the <laughs> McKenna Kyle Harry <laughs> hire was a home run decision. She is a very good reporter, and quote hotter than South Georgia asphalt in August, and he meant that in the most tactful manner. Of think, course. <laughs> I think the credit goes to Mr. Swanson, who found McKenna somewhere. Maybe it was in Georgia. Who knows? B- She's a very good reporter. Yes, she is. Thank you, Versatile John 20, even though you kind of creeped us out. We love you anyway. <laughs> B- we'll, 20- be sure, we'll be sure to pack the along to McKenna, right? Yes, yes. Hotter than South Georgia asphalt in August. There you go. B-22 Rider, our old friend. What up, guys? Awesome win for the Trojans. I swear every time I bad talk at Dory Jackson, he does something amazing. Best game defensively this season. Anyway, I think he is the, quote, X factor in the Pac-12 championship game against Stanford. Remember, he had a kick return for a touchdown call back in the first game. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Chris Adam and Chris Morales fight on. Thank you for getting my right, my name right, B-22 writer. Guys, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree big time. I mean, I write about him every week as, I think, an X factor. I feel like they don't use him well in offense. They brought him in for one play. They gave him the ball. It's telegraphed. It went for no gain, and they don't bring him back out there. And then he returns a punt. Doing yeah, that in uh, any play. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, oh, done, yeah. But go ahead. Uh, so, I think it cut the mic cut off on my end or something. I, I thought you were done. Um, I mean, I agree. I, I agree. I I've been guilty of it too. You know, questioning Adoree Jackson at times when he struggled on defense. Questioning, 
you know, are they overloading him? Do they have him doing too much? Should he be on one side of the ball? I question his special teams play all the time, as I even, you know, talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast. And then moments later, after, you know, screaming to Adam Maya in the press box, they should bench him after he did something stupid on a punt return, picking a ball up for no reason. He takes the punt back, you know, for a touchdown, huge momentum swing, changes the game. And, you know, Coach Chris Swanson would have been the idiot screaming at him on the bench and, you know, losing the UCLA game for USC. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's amazing. And uh, I, I expect him to get better and more consistent next year. And I, I think we've, we haven't seen the best from him yet. What do you think he's the X Factor in this Denver game? Oh, definitely. He's always the X Factor. That should be his nickname. You know, you know what it's he he could beat you in so many different ways. That's what an X factor is. I feel like anyway that you know he could he could score on special teams defense or on offense, and you know USC can use him in, as a decoy or move him around. And he's always the X factor. And it, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the guy that you know made the play that changed the game for USC. There you go. Boyan Gulo on deck in moments. He's going to join us for recruiting and predictions. We continue. Questions from the message board. USC Balto. Just one. Why? Well, we'll find out just why. <laughs> what can you say? B22 Ryder back. Do you think USC will move back to a 4-3 defense next year, Mr. Swanson? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I mean, it could happen. Anything could happen. But I think that the Pac-12 is, is built in such a way with so many spread teams that the 3-4 is kind of the ideal way to defend that uh, that's why we saw lane kiffin uh switch to it uh when he hired clancy pendergast or when clancy pendergast was hired i should say i guess um you know we saw the three four be the emphasis in steve sarkisian's th- uh hybrid defense it's it's the defense of the future in the pac-12 to defend the spread and i think that usc's roster the younger guys it's it's built towards the three four now I, I thought the older guys because they were brought in for a four three it didn't really match up at sometimes but the younger defensive linemen on the roster you know they look like three four defensive linemen they have three four linebackers i think that's likely where they stay but i don't know because they could hire any defensive coordinator who knows what's going to happen final question and this goes to the point you sort of just made I don't know what his username is. Wa Morals? Morals? One? I don't know. Is that Which, you? No, that's not me. Could be a bizarro cousin somewhere. You know how his Moraleses are. Which coaches do you think Hilton retains, and when will the changes be announced? Adam J. Maya. Okay. Well, we're guessing right now. Hilton was asked about that, and he said that he'd be evaluating everybody at the end of the year, and he wouldn't really comment on it out of respect for the people that are in place. But I got the feeling from, you know, the way he responded and even talking to people afterward that there will be some changes on the staff. I think that is inevitable. If I had to guess, I think they're probably going to go in another direction at defensive coordinator. And I think with that, you probably will change your linebackers coach and potentially your defensive backs coach. Um... Chris Wilson, defensive line coach, is not part of that Washington relocation. So I guess he'd be a question mark. But my guess would be that they would overturn the entire defensive staff. That's my hunch. I don't know that. Wow. But that's just what my gut tells me. And I think with that, you could end up going to a 4-3. But for the reasons that Chris mentioned... 
given the, the style of playing the Pac-12, maybe they just gave it the 3-4. I know that Helton likes to be a lot more aggressive, and I think he wants to see more out of his defensive line, and I think you get more out of your defensive line in a 4-3. So I would champion that move if they, if they choose to go in that direction. I think that um, offensively, they're likely to keep T. Martin. We've heard how much Clay Helton likes T. Martin. He's mentioned him by name in, in a way that he hasn't really anyone else in the time that he's been the interim coach. And so I would expect Martin would be, be to be retained, although I think to keep him, you probably have to promote him. He can't just be your receiver's coach. And then Marcus Kiescopo is the other guy who I think probably has the best shot of being retained. I also I think Chris Wilson has a shot too um, because I think his – even though, you know, you think new defensive coordinator, which we all think is likely going to happen, they change everything. But with Chris Wilson, I look at a couple of things. First of all, his defensive line has actually progressed greatly this year, and we hadn't seen that uh, until recently. And But it's been so impressive that I think that maybe he, he won himself a job just based off that. But also look at what he does in, in recruiting for USC. You know, very active at, uh, at Sarah High School, um, Wole Batiku is a five-star, you know, outside linebacker that is very close with him, and I, I almost feel like USC would be scared to let him go and see what happens, you know, with Batiku. Maybe that connection doesn't mean as much as I think, but I think it is pretty strong. And then his ties to Georgia along the defensive line, and you know, in the South along the defensive line. USC would like to go in this into the South and get some defensive linemen. Uh, Keyshawn Camp is an example in the 2016 class, so I think that. Uh, you know, he can kind of help keep some out-of-state pipelines going for what you need for the defensive line and uh, also that pipeline at Sarah going, too. So he might – He's. I agree with Adam on every other coach. Uh, I think Chris Wilson's that one that he mentioned that, that could go that I think might have a better chance of staying than, than some may expect. Chris, I know you're dialed into recruiting more than I am, but I'm of the mind that – that aspect is irrelevant in terms of keeping a guy because of how they're recruiting. And I, I think that's the big push for T. Martin right now. USC is going to recruit just fine. Hire position coaches that are great at doing their job as position coaches. What do you think? No, I agree with you. Um, I just think that, that Chris Wilson, it seems to me that there is a change in the defense Um uh, Recently, and the defensive line seemed to improve greatly. So I kind of see him. I think that's because of Helton. Okay, maybe it is. Um, but if, just from what I've seen with the improvement on the defensive line, I thought maybe, you know, he had he kind of maybe won his job back. And then just with the ties to Batiku, they're strong. You know, yeah. his his Chris Wilson's son Caleb was at Sarah last year. Yeah, uh, they're very close friends. Uh, Wally Batiku's you know referred to to. Chris Wilson is like an uncle and a father figure. Yeah, so I'm I, I get saying, all that. I'm talking I'm about just coaching. And I'm, I, I'm not I saying that Chris Wilson is not a good line coach. I'm just saying if you're Clay Helton, you need to put together a staff that you think are, uh, you know, are good coaches at yeah. each position. It's not about like this one relationship or because I know that you can recruit really well. A lot of people can recruit fine and they'll do a, a fine job at USC. But Hire the guys that, I mean, cause ultimately it's going to come back to him. If he doesn't hire good assistants, then they're not going to be a great team, and he won't even be the head coach at USC for very I, long. 
I agree. But if, if Chris Wilson is a good assistant and you bring in that new defensive coordinator and he's saying, I want to bring in my defensive line guy and they're about even, maybe you lean towards Chris Wilson just because you know you're probably going to get Patiku. You know, you're probably going to get some of these Georgia, you know, or Southern defensive linemen to visit or commit. I'm just, you know, I I see potential there for, for there to be some questions like there are with T. Martin when, you know, people bring up T. Martin, it's, oh, well, he recruits so well, you know, it's not even yeah. a question. I think Chris Wilson might be along those lines a bit. We'll see. If he's not a good coach, there's no chance Helton keeps him would be my guess. I'm going to throw out a name real quick here. Uh, Ed Orgeron. Oh, boy. You know, Pat, Pat Hayden talked about him today. He was asked about him. He was asked about the situation two years ago and whether, you know, going the direction that he did, if that impacted how he did it this time. Because it seems like, you know, he's doing what he could have done then. And while he dismissed that, he made the point that Orgeron was a great Trojan, is a great Trojan. And you wonder if, if that window is open to bring back Orgeron as an assistant coach as a defensive line coach, I think uh, I think everybody would love it, and I don't put it past Helton um, thinking about it and maybe reaching out to him. Why wouldn't you? Exactly yeah. right. Why wouldn't you? Thank you to everybody at the Message Boards Trojansports.com. and it is time to dial up the Beaten Bruin Hotline, and we connect with our old friend, the one and only at B Angulo on Twitter, Blair Angulo. Joins us here on the TrojanSports.com podcast. Blair, how are you? I'm good. Uh, can I make a little request? Can I get some heel music? Maybe some uh, some Shawn Michaels, like Heartbreak Kid, back in the back in the '90s. You're going '90s WWF reference? Yeah, when he was like that guy that everyone hated, uh, and he embraced it, and he loved it, and he basked in the negativity. Like, can I get some of that? Well, Lord knows music? everyone on this show hates you, so why not? Let's cue it up, the Heartbreak Kid. Even the people that record it. Yes. I don't know if you really though, but Shawn Michael like had the heart, like didn't he have the heart tattoo and stuff? You don't seem like that. He was also the heartthrob, right? I don't know if you're that. Yeah, but I also have a little chin music in me, so um, that's I think that's my guy. Uh, that, when I think of a heel. Uh, you know, kind of a likable heel too. Like if you get to know him, type of guy that that, that you're like, oh yeah, he's he's okay, he's not that bad. Uh, I think that's 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 that describes me. Wait, you lost me right there. Like the more I've gotten to know you, the, <laughs> the more you, you, the more you hate me. Yeah, I loved you in 2009. I feel that that that's the same thing with USC fans. They probably loved Blair in 2009, uh, back at his old job. In <laughs> there you, you know. go. Oh, hey Blair. We start uh, with the 40-21 victory over your UCLA Bruins Saturday night, last Saturday at the Coliseum. Uh, what happened to your Bruins? And if you say injuries, we're all even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's injuries across the board. Um, I actually had a pretty good text message exchange with Adam Maya, uh heading into this game. Um, you know, and I kind of told him, you know, UCLA's run defense is pretty terrible. Um, they're... I'm not sure I really trusted Josh Rosen's ability to make plays in that type of setting. 
you know, obviously he's not a freshman anymore. You know, he had already played uh, an entire season basically heading into that game. Um, but I always felt like USC coming off the loss to Oregon was in a better position than UCLA coming off a pretty mediocre victory at Utah. Uh, and it just so happens that obviously that win at Utah helped USC clinch a spot in the Pac-12 title game. Um, so I, I never really felt like UCLA should have been favored. I know people were like, oh, you know, what? what's up with this three-and-a-half, four-point uh, favorite for USC? Um, I, I thought that was pretty accurate. I thought USC was going to be in control of that game uh, with their running game, uh, with the ability to – Make some plays on defense. Um, I thought they were going to be able to do what they did, um, and it happened. And if anyone wants to question my pre, <laughs> I guess uh, my pregame predictions, uh, just ask Adamaya to uh, maybe post the text yeah, messages on Twitter. And you did say it on our little uh, weekend radio show on I Yahoo Sports Radio that you did pick USC. So I back you up I on did. that. Yeah. Okay. How about the news that I- it broke? Yes, Adam. Oh, well, uh, are we going to talk about that game a little bit or no? Sure, if you have some thoughts, why not? Throw it in there, homeboy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got to own, you know, my opinion. Yes. And I disagreed with Blair in our little pregame chat. And I did not expect the game to play out the way it did at all. Um, I expected it to be competitive and maybe go back and forth. But USC kind of dominated that game. And... I was very impressed by how they played defensively. It, it was a lot like the Utah game where they just made Josh Rosen uncomfortable and they had a good game plan for how they want to defend them and really kind of load up on the run. They left everybody in man a week after getting blown up in man coverage versus Oregon. They did an excellent job in the secondary and they, they used Sua Cravens in a different way. They pretty much put him out on an island with Thomas Duarte, who burned him for a touchdown, but then Sua kind of got the best of him for the majority of the game thereafter. They had Adori playing kind of like a, a slot safety position, and they left uh, Kevon Seymour and Biggie Marshall on the perimeter, and they both did an excellent job. And I think people should send their apology letters to, to Biggie's house right now if you haven't already sent them because it's ridiculous the way people were talking about him. He did an unbelievable job, and I think he's been uh, a huge contributor throughout the year. And Yeah, I think those were all matchups that were in USC's favor. I mean, I don't think UCLA has that game-breaker type of receiver. They don't have a Juju Smith. They don't have a guy that's going to beat uh, a cornerback one-on-one, and I think that was a perfect game plan. I know Chris Hawkins said that you know they they didn't play a lot of uh, zone covers. They went man to man the most of the game, and that's true. You know that UCLA doesn't have uh, a guy that's going to beat you. Um, and I think they did a great job there. Uh, I I don't know if I I don't know how I feel about the the victory for USC though. I, I don't know if UCLA. Um, you mentioned it, Chris Morales, earlier that you know they're both injured. Um, but if for some reason the Bruins in game number twelve have pretty much run out, it seems like they've run out of, run out of ideas uh, in in recent years. They just don't seem creative. They kind of get lackadaisical. I know that USC game hasn't been the last game uh, in in recent seasons. So uh, I think we saw them just they didn't have anything uh, left in, in the creative standpoint. So. 
Um, I'm really interested to see how USC now does against Stanford, which you know, uh, you know they they hung pretty tight and it was a pretty close game against Notre Dame, and we saw how USC did against Notre Dame under Clay Helton. You know that game uh, pretty much could have gone either way if with a bounce here or, or there for USC. So. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all right now, guys, if, if Adam I on New Year's Day, you're in Pasadena and you have to make that short drive uh, to the Rose Bowl. I would love that. <laughs> I'm not supposed to have a, a, a rooting interest, but I'm not trying to go to the Foster Farms Bowl <laughs> or the Sun Bowl or the Holiday Bowl even. Uh, I like no. the Foster and Farms plus, Bowl. And plus, you know all the great eateries in, in the Rose Bowl, so not even Chris Swanson can mess that one up. My wife will cook for me for that game. There you uh, go. Come on. You should have out. us all over for uh, for a little uh, pregame supper. Oh, hey, boy, Agua, your thoughts on the news that broke today, of course, blowing your Bruins right off the headlines and the destruction <laughs> of them on Saturday. How about Clay Helton getting the head coach now? Yeah, so this isn't a live radio show, so I can't listen in on what you guys have said before. But can you guys just kind of rehash your opinions so that I know what Swanson's really fired up. Adam pretty much agrees on most of it, and I just moderate the whole thing. Okay, so what's Adam Maya's? uh, What What do you feel, Adam? I just need to know what to disagree with. Pretty much if you said Clay Helton was the perfect choice, we all saw this coming, and Pat Hayden did a great job. You would disagree with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I think it's they took the easy way out. It's it's another indication that Pat Hayden is is lost. Um, we saw how he handled the Steve Sarkeesian incident before the season, and it was one of those, uh, you know, slap on the wrist things. We're gonna make him do push-ups and up-downs or whatever it was, <laughs> and they took the easy way out here. Yep. I think they took the easy way out again, and this was not the time to do that. It's it's surreal to me. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was up really early in the morning, around 6 in the morning for um, rankings calls. We have uh, Rivals 100, Rivals 250 rankings coming out next week for the class of 2016, so stay tuned to Rivals.com for those. But I was up really early, so I didn't I, – I was, I was kind of monitoring Twitter and, and checking all that and, and – I couldn't believe it. I had to refresh my webpage uh, a few times. I had to reboot my computer again uh, just to make sure that I was reading what I was reading. It, it's 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 unreal to me. I, I don't know how this happened. Um, it's you know they're coming off a of high. I, I understand that they they just beat UCLA for the first time in four years. Um, you know you you kind of go into. Uh, that scenario, and you and you realize, you know, yeah, sure, he, you know, they did that, and uh, you know, credit, they should, he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, but they had just lost Oregon. They they snuck away uh, from Colorado with a victory. They they sneaked by Arizona. Uh, this this had been a thing that it, they weren't dominating every game. Uh, I would have understood that if they had beaten Notre Dame and, and dominated games and gone into Eugene and won that game and, and, and then everyone's with the hashtag, you know, Clay Helm 2016, it makes sense. You go with that guy. But they took the easy way out. They did not do uh, their due diligence, just like the Steve Sarkeesian scenario. And I think this this is bad. I, I, I truly think... Now, if things go wrong with USC, I mean, you look at their schedule next year, it's, it's not any easier. Um, if things start going south, 
you know, Clay Helton's going to be in that same position. He's going to be in the hot on the hot seat pretty soon, and 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 everyone's going to be pointing at Pat Hayden again. Um, it, it's just very weird to me, and I felt like they just didn't want to go through the rebuilding process. I, I just I think they didn't want to have to go through the whole thing, and uh, it's interestingly enough, um, I was reading a, a column from Pat Forty. Uh, on yahoosports.com earlier today and and he mentioned you know that they they don't really like going out of house and and now I can kind of see why it, it's just it's very strange the way this happened and and I think they took the easy way out yeah i you you pretty much echo a lot of our thoughts one thing i'll say my opinion here um i don't think he'll be on the hot seat I'm not saying whether he should or shouldn't be if he got up to a slow start, but it appears like they're backing him to the full. They gave him a five-year guaranteed contract, and from what I was told, Sarkisian was not in a hot seat in Heritage Hall, and he put himself on it because of off-the-field behavior, but not because of what was going on on the field. And he would still be the coach right now if they had this record and what have you, even though it looked like they were going in a a troubling direction after that Washington loss. You figure that they're going to win most of the games that they won, uh, that they ended up winning with Helton. They probably would have won with him. I don't know if they would have beaten UCLA and Utah. So um, being under 500 would have been a different story, of course. But I get the impression that they're – going to give Clay Helton every opportunity to succeed and they're not looking for him to compete for, you know, a national title next year. That's bad. That's bad. I'm surprised by that, right? Like it's awful. I thought that with a full roster, no more sanctions, bunch of talent, that that's the direction that they were expecting and that they were gonna uh, hold their coaching staff accountable to. And now I don't think that that's necessarily what they're looking for. I think Pat, Pat Hayden. Yeah, I, go ahead, Chris. I just think Pat Hayden likes Clay Helen because he cleans up his messes. I think that's what the criteria was for this hire. The more and more I think about it, uh, Pat Hayden created a mess when he fired Lane Kiffin. You know, four games into the season, Clay Helen helped fill a role there, even though it was Ed Orgeron's team. He made a mess when he had a messy breakup with Ed Orgeron at the end of that season, and Clay Helton stepped in. And he made a mess when he hired Steve Sarkeesian, knowing that Steve Sarkeesian had drinking issues, which we know that he did based on what sources have told us. And Clay Helton cleaned up his mess again. So I just feel like he almost feels like he owes it to him. Like, you always step in and help me out when I mess up. So here's the job. And it's really sad. It's it, USC deserves so much better than Pat Hayden. How do you really feel? <laughs> Just so when you, you think Chris Swanson went quiet, he brings it up once again. <laughs> you guys get me fired up. What do you want me to say? It's a mess. It is a mess in Heritage Hall right now, and you, and you guys bring out the worst in me. So. Well, that's my question. Is like, why, why wouldn't he be on the hot seat early on? Let's say they do lose to Alabama to open the season um, in Arlington down in Texas, uh, and, and they're not meeting expectations early. You know, they lose maybe a, a game or two in the Pac-12. Um, why shouldn't he be under fire? Uh, the fans deserve a lot better than this. You know, they uh, had gotten rid of Sarkeesian. He obviously wasn't the right guy for this job. They deserved 
a bigger hire. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you. I love. Uh, I love. I get what you're saying, Blair. But I, let, I let me ask you your question now. Okay. We maybe don't give Clay Helton benefit of the doubt, and I think a lot of the fans will not give Clay Helton benefit of the doubt. But they're treating Helton like their big name hire. So if they had brought in Chip Kelly, and Chip Kelly loses the game to Alabama, and he starts out, you know, two and two, right? But there would have been so much forgiveness because, oh well, Kelly's trying to, you know, reinstall a brand new offense and his system, and he's got a new coaching staff, and it's going to take time, and maybe they're going to go 7-5 and five in year one like Kiffin did when he took over in 2010. So I think from afar, outside of Heritage Hall, we would all be on board with our – yeah, we'd be all on board with that if they had hired that big-name guy. Well, Pat Hayden and the people in the McCain Center are saying that's how we're going to treat Clay Helton. That's, that's their their approach to this whole thing because they feel like he brings so much stability and leadership and he's a, a known quantity that they they trust that the process will, will play itself out and in a few years um, he can get them to where they want to be. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the players had a a great deal of influence here. Um, you know, we saw the reaction video and, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. I I know a lot of people on Twitter are like, Oh, you know, they're going bonkers or, Oh, you know, it's a great, um, it's a great sight to see the players so excited for their head coach. Well, like how, how do you expect them to react when uh, there's some, a setting like that where you get announced in front of the team? It's, it's like when your grandmother hands you, you know, your Christmas present, you open it, it's an ugly sweater and you're forced to kind of smile. Um, you know, it's, I don't know what to make of that. Will that, will that kind of lead into, uh, you know, a great run for USC? I'm not sure. I think Clay Hilton is a great coach. You know, obviously he's done a great job uh, in the limited and under the circumstances that are presented uh, before him. And, and I know he's a great recruiter and I know the recruits are, are loving this. Um but I just, I just think this, this uh, just kind of leads and, and maybe opens the door for for even more doubt down the road. Um, you know, I think fans might not have the patience for this rebuilding project that you're talking about, Adam. Yeah, it's no, a, I mean, let's go to the phone, guys. Who's, whose phone is ringing there? <laughs> My mother-in-law. Beautiful. Ignore that. But uh, I, I thought it was a bit short-sighted just in context of everything that USC's been through and who they could have hired. But in the long run, time will tell what Clay Helton can do. And I am a believer that he can end up being a very good football coach. Yeah. Mother-in-law wants to know if you uh, have a new hot board coming out. Blair, <laughs> 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 well, uh, let, uh, let me ask hey, you a quick question. Wait, wait. Go ahead. Speaking of our hot board, we, we put on Hugh Jackson, who Adam Schefter reported today had been contacted about the job. Yeah, I know. You were, you were on that real quick, real early, too. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we didn't even want to be on it. You know, it wasn't like we were advocating Hugh Jackson, but we caught a lot of flack for including him, and he ended up being one of those guys that was in the running. Well, we're going to uh, get to predictions on Saturday, the Pac-12 championship, in just a moment. Uh, Blair, I want to ask your question from a recruiting standpoint, uh, because today on TrojanSports.com, we had a lot of posts. Uh, Mike Singer helped as well. 
with how the recruits were reacting, and it was all pretty positive. Do you think that had anything to do with this, that from a recruiting standpoint, Helton was the right choice? I'm not sure it was the the main determining factor, um, but I think it, it, it had an influence. I, I think, uh, like I mentioned before, just the influence of the players already on the team, um, I guess the, the having the, the continuity on the staff, um, all that might have played a role. And, and from a recruiting standpoint, I know they want to continue building this program. They just got the number one class last year. They're on a pretty good track to land the top class in the Pac-12 this year. Might be a top five class in the country if, if all pieces kind of fall into place. You know, we're talking Jackie Jones and Mike Juarez and, and a bunch of other guys. Um, you know, now it seems like they're going to hang on to Michael Pittman, who, who said if, if Clay Helton is on staff, I'm going to be there. Uh, so it's going to keep this recruiting class intact. Now they can hit the road after this Pac-12 game uh, and really hit it hard for the next week and a half heading into the dead period. Um, now there is no no uncertainty. There might be some uncertainty with some of the assistants, and obviously we don't know what the rebuilding process is going to look like there, whether or not they're going to bring a new coach, a new assistant coach here, or the secondary or defense or you know offensive line, whatever it may be. Um, so those things still need to be sorted out, but I think the direction is there, and I think that was a, a big reason why uh, they wanted to continue building towards what they've already accomplished. I think it was the right hire for 2016 recruiting. Uh, those guys are going to stick because of this. I don't know about the future. I don't know how future classes look at this hire. I don't know how out-of-state prospects look at this hire. And I wonder, too, you know, if USC loses to Stanford, loses the bowl game, and opens up and loses to Alabama, has a poor season next year, you know, Clay Helm's record is going to look really bad after a year and a half. Uh, it could happen. It's not out of the question. I wonder how they're going to recruit with, if that happens. I think USC needs to, to come out strong, and he needs to make a statement early uh, for them to, to – They'll always recruit well, but to keep, you know, keep the, the level of expectations that, you know, we've come to expect from them, the, the high level recruiting where they get out of state guys, they need to win early and often, uh, I think, for USC to keep up with that. You know, this, this last class, like Blair mentioned, number one, that's going to be hard to do with Clay Helton as your head coach unless you guys are winning early and often. Um, I, it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's going to be feast or famine for USC. Uh, after this next year, you know, that's going to really determine what they can do on the recruiting trail. One thing I know about Clay Helkin is that he makes everybody feel important. And that, that goes from players to the, the assistant coaches to Michael Lev. <laughs> to Michael Lev. Yeah, I know with the media, right? He, he kind of sent off Michael Lev, you know, when he found out that he was leaving. And so I guess we can't underestimate the impact that he can have in recruiting in general, because I feel like he knows how to talk to people. He just connects with people really, really well. Um, that was something that Ed Orgeron was really good at, uh, just a tremendous people person. And so I think winning is going to determine a lot of things nationally in terms of who you can bring, who you can get to, to move across the country and play for you. But um, I think Hell can... I think recruiting will be fine. I made that point earlier. I don't think it really matters who you have coaching. It takes a lot. It's harder to mess up recruiting at USC than it is to get it right. So 
I, I think that they're going to be fine in that regard. Um, I just think that it, I keep I keep coming back to coaching and and experience, and um, we're just going to find out. Like we're 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 voicing our, our opinions here, but it, it's just such an unknown with where the program is heading. And I think people didn't want that. They didn't want such a an unknown and such confusion moving forward. They wanted to have uh, confidence and reassurance that they're, they'd be led by someone that had already won before. You know, Adam, I just want to add on a little bit there and, and, and kind of piggyback off of that point. A lot of coaching and a lot of coaches and, and recruiters across the, the conference and across the nation, not only do they, they sell their school, but they sell the reason why you shouldn't go to another school. Um, and I think this, if there is a negative, it's that USC hasn't really shown the ability to develop players. They get all these talented guys on campus and, and that kind of carries them. You know, there's five stars backing up five stars. But they haven't been able to develop players. And example number one is is Cody Kessler. Um, you know, if you're a quarterback, you're going to look at that and see what Cody Kessler could have been and what he is now heading in, um, you know, heading out of college. So I, I think that's one negative thing that other coaches and other recruiters can kind of throw out there and, and say, hey, you know, this guy came in, product, you know, rated this high or, 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 you know, projected to do this. And this is what he's done under that staff and at USC or whatever. So that, yeah, I'm I glad that, you brought that up, Blair. No, I I agree. I mean, that was another thing that that I yeah. think a big name hire, a, a bigger coach, an NFL coach, someone from a big name program, uh, they could have solved some of those questions that recruits in general uh, and specifically um, would have. Yeah, I agree. I mean, quarterbacking has not been at the level that it had been the previous decade you know, before Helton. Um, he did coach Matt Barkley as well and coached him in that 2011 season that he had. Um, but even Barkley didn't seem as developed as he should have been going into the NFL. And so um, I think that that's a legitimate area of concern with it's a huge Clay Helton. Concern. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a huge totally concern. totally legitimate. Um, I, I would argue that uh, he got the most out of Cody Kessler. I don't. I don't think that he held him back or didn't develop him. I think that Cody had a low ceiling personally. So, um, but I understand what you're saying, and um, I actually thought about that when I heard that they were gonna keep Helton as a permanent coach. I thought, well, I haven't been in love with the offense while he's been the offensive coordinator, although it's hard to know how much control he had over that and how much he was carrying out Sarkeesian's way. And then um, I haven't been in love with the the level of quarterback play. And so... I know he, you love I know you love Max Brown. Yeah, I do. Um, but, uh, and I love him too. You know, former five-star, big arm, uh, can make all the throws. But if he hasn't overtaken Cody Custer... You know, heading into his what sophomore season now, he'll be a junior next year. Um, you know, what does that kind of say about his development too? You know, yeah. what he's been able to do and and lowered on the depth chart. 
you know, you you got Sam Darnold, who they kind of had to settle for and kind of dig up uh, after whiffing on Ricky Town. You know, let's be real there. They whiffed on him bad. Um, Why did they whiff on Josh Rosen personally? Well, they didn't really go after Josh. Right. So that's, that, that, that's to me a bigger mistake. Well, yeah, they they got caught looking. That's not a whiff. That's more yeah. of a, uh, you know, they kind of didn't right. even swing. Um, yeah. And then in, in the other class, you know, you missed on KJ Costello, you missed on Shea Patterson. In 2017, mm-hmm. Tate Martell's already looked over to uh, A&M's gone there. Uh, so this, this class now, the 2017 class with Matt Fink committed in 2016, uh, is going to be huge for Clay Helen recruiting-wise. Well, but, okay, next round. Chris Swanson made that point, too, about why hasn't Brown overtaken Cody. And I feel like because Cody, you know, was inherited by Stark as a incumbent and then came back for a fifth year and a third year starter. He's not going to get overtaken. I mean, when does that happen? It's just very rare. I know we saw a little bit of that at Texas A&M, um, but they've been unstable at the quarterback position. I, I think that they believed they could, they had a chance to play for a national title this year and their best chance of doing that was with Cody at quarterback, even though I wouldn't agree with that. Um, I understand why they would think that. So I think that if Helton is doing what he should be doing with that position, then Max Brown should step in next year and be ready to go because he'll be in his fourth year. And that's that's what we saw from John David Booty and Mark Sanchez. They were ready to go. They were in year four. Matt Leiner was in year three. They should be. Max Brown should already be and an all-conference level quarterback if Clay Helton has done his work, you know, the last three years with him. We shall see. See, I want to, I want to make a point about the 2017 class uh, to, to kind of spin off of what Blair said right before Adam there. I feel like you guys are talking about all these specifics and all these things that could hurt USC in recruiting. I think they're already in serious danger of, of hurting their 2017 recruiting class because there's still games left to go in this season, and we've already acknowledged that next year will be a struggle. Players will not commit to a coach if they don't believe they're going to be there in the future. We saw He's that happen. Be there, okay, Adam. He's going to be but, there. Okay, that might Stark, that we Stark might know only that. got fired because of I know, what Adam, happened. Adam, I know we yeah. might know that. We might know that. I'm talking about national perception. If he finishes this year with a five and four record as a head coach, which is completely possible, and then they struggle next year, 2017 recruits. Let's say they go eight and four. Well, now he's 13 and eight as a head coach at USC. And 2017 recruits are going to go. He's going to get fired in a year or two, or in a year and a half. Look at that record at USC. They're not going to come. It's a, it's a huge gamble to to make this hire now to to pick Helton. It just they're really risking this 2017 class, which is so great out west. I feel like if they had made any other hire, maybe they sacrificed 2016 a little bit, which isn't that strong, and they would have been fine in 2017. But now I feel like they're kind of leaving it up for interpretation, even if they are going to keep him long term. Prospects will look at his record if it's poor, which is very possible through a year and a half, and not want to come because they think he's going to get fired, no matter what yeah. anybody says. I don't know. I, who, maybe you're right. I, I don't agree. I think that um, if he's going in for, um, they'll, they won't be turned off completely. USC sells itself. It was said today and it, because it's true. It's a cliche because it's true. And I think you'll always get people here. You might lose 
a couple more national recruits because Helton is not a household name. But I think ultimately you'll get way more than enough talent to win here. And I think that it will be communicated to them that Helton's not going anywhere. I mean, I, I think people need to understand that this is your head coach for the next five years. That's what it is. It's not, hey, we better win next year or we're looking for the next coach. Like, this is going to be your head coach for the next five years. I'm, I'm talking about perceptions among teenagers, though. Yeah. If his record's 13-8 and eight, heading into his third year, it won't they're be not, because 8-4 again. Like, they're they're not doing all that math. They're really? Not. No, I don't think. <laughs> I don't so. know. No, I mean, I they, don't know about they that. They just want to get on the field, and they would love to play at USC. But they need to commit you know I mean? like, to a coach that they believe is going to be there, even if he is. They don't know that if his record doesn't indicate it pretty early on. I mean, well, you know what's did. what's fun about it is that me and Chris Swanson get to cover it all on uh, TrojanSports.com. <laughs> so we'll be getting all the recruiting information uh, when. Clay Helton is, um, you know, heading into his second season. Yeah, Phil Craven, right? He wasn't deterred by any of that. Yeah, but he came in in a class where they had, um, I don't know, eight kids maybe, seven kids decommit because they went seven and six. And then next year, they couldn't get anybody to commit until they fired Lane Kiffin because everybody thought that that was coming. Right. There's yeah, Sue Cravens is also the exception. I mean, I, there's not a lot of kids that grew up a couple miles from the Coliseum that dreamed of playing uh, for USC that well, he also, are that talented. He also tweeted as a senior in high school after some kids were decommitting. I'm a, I've been, I was raised to stick to my word. Yeah, yeah, yeah he incredibly he, mature. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, so he he doesn't fit into recruiting at all then. Yeah, well, kids, <laughs> spirited debate. I always like that. I especially like it when Adam and Chris kind of go at it. Because usually that's what I do. Like I, I kind of come in here. You stir it all up. Yeah, I spice things up a little bit with my heartbreak kid music. Yes, thank you. Because you're the villain. Yes. By the way, how is uh, how is recruiting Michael Pittman to UCLA going for you? You know, it's it's, (laughs) you know, it's actually uh, it hasn't worked out that well. Um, No, um, I know CJ Pollard also is a guy that I'm trying to get to ASU, um, according to according to a few posters. But you know, it's kind of weird because you know, when am I going to get my my credit for for Justin Davis to USC? When am I going to get my credit? For um, you know, uh, Dory Jackson, yeah, Dory Jackson, uh, Porter Gustin. Porter Gustin. Can I get can I get a, lo- a little love for my Biggie work that I did a couple years ago? Um, also, uh, you know, Ronald Jones, who who no one was writing about, but I had the scoop down in um, down in Texas. Uh, you know, can I get a little love? Uh, you know, maybe some uh, some recruiting love there for um, you know getting those guys to USC. Nope. You well, get I, love from us, just not from the message board. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I want to, I want to play a little prank on you sometime, Blair. When I, you know, have a little bit more uh, free will uh, range, I guess. When I feel a little bit more confident uh, with my contracts and everything, I want to go into some of these uh, these admins and you know just put your name as uh, next to UCLA as the recruiter. Take a screenshot of it, you know, just for the message board. But I know that they can track these things. And, they can. And I'll totally get in trouble. You'll get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, so I won't do that. But it, you know it's, I've thought about it. It's, There's uh, Photoshop, it's Chris. There's Photoshop. Oh. <laughs> On that note. Can time we talk about Stanford? Yes. Yeah. Time to look ahead for oh, Saturday, whoops. 445 Pacific time. The Pac-12 championship game at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. Early spread looks like it's four and a half points. Stanford is favored by the Cardinal. 
And we begin with Mr. Maya's thoughts, who, of course, will have a score prediction in his Maya tenfold later on in the week. But we start with your thoughts on the Pac-12 championship game, my friend. Okay, well, I think the obvious thing to do would be to go back and look at the first game. Even though USC is really a, a very different team than they were then, but it's the same roster, it's the same staff outside of the head coach. And so in that game, we saw Stanford move the ball at will, whether it was running or throwing. And it was a lot like how it played out the year before. Even though Stanford only scored 10 points in the 2014 matchup, they kind of beat themselves. They had a lot of errors in the red zone. If you, it, Some of you might remember, they had nine possessions in that game, and all nine of them, they moved to at least the, the USC 32-yard line. And so in this game, it was similar, but they just finished, and they, they converted, and they scored in the red zone, and so forth. And so USC was uh, very conservative and kind of beaten up, whether Stanford wanted to run the ball and, and be physical. Um, and, and Kevin Hogan kind of picked them apart as well. He went 22 of 30, 285. He had a very high completion percentage the year before as well. And so this is a, a tough matchup for them. I think that USC has learned quite a bit about itself and the way it can play. And I guess I wonder if they're going to approach it similar to UCLA, where they will stack the box and trust their man defense. Um, the thing with Stanford, they run a lot of variables, a lot of formations, um, a lot of you know power. But they'll they'll uh, you don't know where the ball's going. That's the hard thing with them. UCLA was a bit more predictable, and I feel like Stanford, while they're not splashy. Um, they're hard to defend because you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, you know, when, when I think of this, uh, this matchup, I always think of the, the old saying, it's hard to beat any team twice. That's what I always think of whenever I see a matchup in, in a conference title game. It's probably going to be closer than people expect, uh, you know, a rematch. It's, it's, it's so hard uh, when, when you did everything right one time to really come back and do it again and to, to keep the other team from adjusting well and to, to picking up things that, you know, you know to, to make changes and really excel against what you're trying, the same game plan that you're trying to put out there. It's tough. Uh, what stands out to me in this game, though, even more than that, is that I believe that Stanford's a national championship caliber team that, that dropped an early game to Northwestern. They, uh, they competed hard with Oregon, who I think is severely underrated and shouldn't have as many losses as they do. Uh, and they've looked great all season. They beat Notre Dame. I think Stanford is as good as anybody in the country. And I look at USC's resume against good teams. And they're 0-3 uh, against good teams. The, the thing that stands out to me about that is that while all those games were close, USC did allow – well, not all of them, I guess, because Oregon wasn't. But in the two that were close, USC did allow – you know, the quality teams, Notre Dame and Stanford to take over the game at times. Uh, I remember USC being up by, you know, 21 to 10, I believe on Stanford. Yep. And then Stanford ended up winning that game, you know, for uh, 41, 31, uh, I believe it was by 10 yep. points. And so you think about that, Stanford dominated that game after USC was up 21 to 10. I think back to, to the Notre Dame game where Notre Dame charged out to a gigantic lead and they could have very easily ran away with that game and made it really ugly. But SC fought back and tied it up. But then in the second half, they let Notre Dame run away with it again. Um, I don't see the consistency out of USC where I think that they're, they're really going to challenge 
a national championship caliber team, which is what I think Stanford is. Uh, so I'm thinking Stanford, you know, the home field advantage is kind of flipped. It's up, you know, in San Francisco now or up in the Bay Area, I should say. And uh, I just see Stanford pulling this out. It'll be close, um, but I see a Stanford victory. Wow, Blair and Gula, your thoughts. By the way, wait, wait, hold on one second. Score, Chris Swanson. Score. Oh, oh. Yeah, um, I'll say a 35-21 to 21 victory for Stanford. Okay, there you go. Blair and Gula. Oh, 14? Uh, what the heck? I'm going to go with USC, 28-27. <laughs> he don't care. 28-27. Wow. Yeah. Can I just say? Let's go to the that- Rose Bowl, boys. <laughs> Everyone on our message board hates Blair, but whenever he's on this show, he picks USC. He he's talks usually to, right. He's usually right. He speaks very highly, and you know, of the Trojans and their team and their coaches. And you know, Blair, you're not so bad for a filthy Bruin. I'll say that. Oh no, I'm pretty good. I told Blair, you guys once you Blair, get to know me. You, I remember you picked USC to beat ASU, and I was coming off that Stanford game. Yep. I believe you picked them to beat Utah. Yep. Okay, um, we didn't get your pick on Oregon, but I'm sure you picked Oregon, right? Because you guys didn't have me on the podcast. Yeah, we were trying to get. Oh, rid don't, of you. don't even get into that. We don't have time to get into all that. Yeah, but but you you picked Oregon, right? Like in your heart, you. Uh yeah, my mind and my yeah. soul. Yeah. Okay, your body. Okay, <laughs> um, and then you picked US, you beat UCLA. I did. So I guess we should listen to you, um, guys, 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 guys. If we go back into the archives. Yeah, you will. You will. You will know that I picked USC to win the Pac-12 South. We yeah. we were at we were at Pac-12 media day, and and I told I told Chris Swanson, I was like, you know, I picked them to win the Pac-12 South. I don't think they should be the favorites to win the Pac-12 right. South. I remember that. You told um, me. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I picked them to win the South. So you know, now they're going up to Stanford. Uh, I think Swanson said it right. You can't. You know, it's really tough to beat a team twice in the same season. Uh, this team's coming off a new head coach uh, announcement, uh, obviously officially now with Clay Helton staying. I think he earns that five-year contract on Saturday in Santa Clara. Adam does cartwheels all the way back down <laughs> the five freeway. Okay, I, I want to get my final thoughts on this game. I'm not going to tell you my winner yet because I'm going to keep that for my call. Ooh, column. suspense. Yeah, I know, right? Hey, don't you enjoy it? Yeah, I read it. We all okay. enjoy it. All right, good. Okay, that's all I care about. Um, but a couple of things that are, I think are going to have to be different. I, I think USC can win this game, but because I have so much respect for Stanford, I think that they're a great team. And to be a great team, they can't afford to get off to a slow start, which has kind of been a theme under Helkin. Um, they did a better job of that versus UCLA. And I think that they're going to have to come out a bit fast, kind of like they did in that initial matchup. Uh, but in that matchup, there were no adjustments. Helton's been great about adjustments. So, you know, I think he can kind of um, feel the game out, you know. And, and But they can't fall behind 10 nothing or 14-3 or anything like that. They just cannot afford to do that. Um, Christian McCaffrey, he had 249 all-purpose yards in that first meeting. That can't happen. Like They, they have to figure that out, definitely. And I think they can't be so conservative on offense I know that's been their staple. They want to run clock and and just kind of maintain possession. And while I'm a fan of doing that, you're going to have to finish those drives. But even in this UCLA game, they were really reliant on 
big defensive plays. You know, it was that Scott Felix sack that led to the Dory punt return for a touchdown. And then it was Claude Pallone, forced fumble that led to Rasheem Green running it back. You're not going to get those plays um, versus Stanford. I mean, you won't get as many of them if you do get them. Stanford, more often than not, does not beat itself. It did happen in that Oregon game. I thought it was very uncharacteristic between Stanford and Oregon, that is. But to beat a good team like this, you just, not only can you not make big mistakes, but you can't just expect them to make big mistakes. You have to go and you have to beat them. And I felt like in that game back in September, they were up 21-10, and they kind of sat on their lead. And that, that's what I loved about the UCLA game. They didn't sit in that lead. I felt like they continued to be aggressive, and that's why they won by 20. I don't think they're beating Stanford by 20, but I think that if they can be in a dogfight with them, they have to be aggressive. They can't play so close to the vest. Very well done, Adam J. Maya. And with that, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Thank you so much to Boyer Angulo at Biangulo on Twitter. And thank you to the fellas, Adam J. Maya and Chris P. Swanson. Chris, any final embers that you want to throw out there? I mean, you've scorched the ground pretty good, but uh, anything else? Oh, uh, Pat Hayden's <laughs> incompetent? You're, you're Chris. He's not talking to himself here. It, you're, it, you're the no, Chris. It, it keeps cutting out like in my headphones. Like, it cuts out. I think there was a song okay. about that anyway. I, okay, I heard you say, at B. Angulo, and then I just, Chris! That's all I heard. Same. Same for me. Okay, guys. Well, on that note, (laughs) thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Trojan Sports Icon Podcast. Pac-12 Championship game Saturday, 445 at Levi's Stadium. And we will see what just happens. Nice roses. Yeah, there you go. When we talk to you next Monday, we could be smelling roses or we could be ready to rip Clay Helton apart. You'll never know what you'll get next. Okay? Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Be good or be good at it.